0: Welcome to Wadcast. I'm Charlene Gianetti, editor of Woman Around Town, and I'm here with Alex Cohen, uh, who reviews theater for our website. Alex has won many awards for her writing, and I'm just as eager as I'm sure you are to sit down with her to find out how she approaches the job of reviewing theater in New York. So, hello, Alex. Thanks for being here. Hello. Thank you. So, first question: There's a lot of theater in New York now, and you must just be inundated with invitations. So, how do you decide what to attend, what you want to review?
1: I think the decision is based on several areas. One is that I'm a voting member of Drama Desk, so there are a certain number of Broadway productions that I'm really—it's in, incumbent upon me to see. Uh, sometimes I decide because I like the company and I will follow it. It could be an out-of-town company, it could be a rep company in New York, and it will just ring a bell. Uh, Recently I went to see a little play at 59E59 which was produced by Fishamble, uh, an Irish company, and when I saw their name on the PR release I thought that's something I want to see and I'm curious about. Sometimes it's the playwright, Sometimes it's the director, sometimes it's actors that I want to see work. A schedule doesn't permit. Sometimes PR people offer us very limited dates, very limited window to see something, and they are offering it without speaking to one another on the same dates. Mm. They really should be a clearinghouse for...
0: <laughs> for all of this. For,
1: yeah, for, <laughs> for so they know that at least the press people would be able to choose their shows without... Uh, giving something else up, which is important. Well, uh, I
0: know that some of your friends and some people you know probably think that you have the greatest job in the world reviewing theater and always getting to see things before a lot of the public sees them. But there is a lot of work involved, isn't there? There is. So uh, tell me a little bit about how you approach it. I know we've talked and you said you don't do uh, research before you see a play, but what happens after you've seen the play? What do you What do you do before you write, sit down, and write that review?
1: Sometimes nothing. Uh, sometimes, if the play has a historical context, I will look up that period in history or those peoples uh, about whom it's concerned, because I want to know more, and I think that setting it in context for people who are coming as lay people into the theater uh, really helps understanding what it's about. Um, Sometimes the scenario doesn't provide certain information and adding that information enhances the play itself and and what you know about it as you are going into it. And sometimes it's sheer curiosity on my part. Mm -hmm. I want to know more about it. Um, Sometimes I will go back and read not only the history but the origin
0: the audience only sees what's on stage, but obviously the director has a lot to do with what's happening. So how do you factor that in? How do you figure out exactly what influence the director is having on a production?
1: director has a tremendous amount of influence unless somebody's reading over ble- breathing down his neck. Uh, the first, of course, is characterization, but that means more than emotionally inhabiting the character. It means the, physical, the physicality of a character. It means feeling that that person is set in a certain time mm-hmm. as well as a certain circumstance. The staging is very important. Small business, on the integration of music or dance. Something like Indecent recently, which is not really a musical, but a play with music, has integrated music and dance in an outstanding way. And the uh, 9, Tommy Toon's 9, would never have been as successful as it was had it not been envisioned in the physical way it was. And recently, the Ensemble for Romantic Centuries' Van Gogh's Ear, which integrates video, classical music, acting, and opera Mm. in a way that you would not think would work but absolutely does. And all of this is overseen by the director, who must make it fluid, who must make nothing overtake the other, unless unless he is directing where your attention should be. Mm -hmm. Um, He has to decide where he wants you to focus, how important it is, and how important it is to the play as well as to you. The Donmar Warehouse's Tempest at St. Anne's Warehouse was staged in a woman's prison, not literally, but in terms of the setting. So the integration of the real Shakespeare and the sounds, and here is where a sound man comes in, um, of a woman's prison, and where we hear a door clank, or people are suddenly regimented regimented and then turn into Shakespearean characters, this is all overseen by the director, Mm. who could say, that's too much prison, or that's too much Shakespeare, or you're taking attention away from a character who is having an emotional moment or it's really he is the, the chief
0: It's all in the director.
1: All in the director, yeah.
0: So I, I interviewed a costume designer in uh, at the Shakespeare Theatre Company in Washington and she said to me that very rarely will you read a review where it says that the play was terrible but the costumes were great. but. How, you do, and I do. I know you do that in some of your reviews. So I absolutely do. Talk about you know the costumes, even the wigs. I know you've mentioned in some of your reviews. Absolutely. Well,
1: that's... they affect all of this. Affects. These are these are equal contributors to me. Mm-hmm. Um, this the sets the not only the music and lyrics, and by the way, the arrangements or the orchestrations. The sets are obvious. The costumes. Sometimes the makeup stands out. Sometimes it's the lights or the sound. If it registers as being, oh, look at that. Or this really adds another level to the show. I think the call-outs should be there when they are innovative or when they're poor, because Mm -hmm. they affect. I saw a play not so long ago, which was a period piece, and the wigs were execrable from a reputable company. And it takes away from the reality of the piece because you find your eyes are floating towards something that is just not viable. Mm. Sometimes the sound is not clear enough. The sound designer for Matilda, wonderful show, loved the show, very often lost things that were done by the entire company of children. Must be very hard with that volume and level of voices. Um, But it really makes a difference. The set in August Wilson's Jitney or Broadway's Huey are so evocative you feel like you could walk into them and and live in the period, time and place. And it's not just the architecture and the physicality of it, it's all the little details that someone puts in which means somebody's living there and something's happening there. Daddy Longlegs was a show which was very compact at the Davenport Theatre and yet they managed to have different scenes on two-and-a-half levels of a tiny black box theater, and you felt you were where they said you were. In the play that goes wrong, the entire set falls apart, piece by piece by piece, and because the actors, and I do admit to seeing the original cast, I don't know what it's like now, but because the actors were so deadpan English, British, the falling apart was so much funnier, and it's like watching a Rube Goldberg machine yeah. come apart, um, and takes terrific timing that, that nothing, not only that no one gets harmed, but that everything has an actor trying valiantly to prevent its happening, right. and, and not getting hurt, and it's very funny. Um intact She Stoops to Conquer, the costumes and the wigs were marvelous. Mm. They just had a candy confection. Um, attitude that that lent so much to the attitude of the show which was again established by the director Mm -hmm. this is the level on which we want to present it sometimes stylization works immensely because it has a consistent point of view anything by taylor mack not that he's, not a, he's a wonderful actor, but anything that he writes that becomes a show has the most wonderful, innovative costumes and sets. And here we're not talking about a Broadway budget by any means. Mm. And when you see things, Broadway, off and off, off Broadway, and you think, my God, they have 79 cents to spend on a budget. You can be immensely creative with that. Mm. You just have to give us a carrot for which the imagination takes over. Mm-hmm. And and it is is done. Uh, projections have become an important part of many Broadway things. I remember years ago seeing Ghost, the musical, which lasted five days <laughs> or or, a or something. Yeah. Yes, a nanosecond. Um, but the projections absolutely swallowed up the production. God knows if that production was any good. Hmm. It was as if you were watching it be digested by sound. On the other hand the projections in Anastasia are gorgeous and they are sty- stylized they are not they are photoshopped photos which are then enhanced and enlarged and give you a full size geographical place in front of which the actors stand and they add this wonderful fantastical character to it so and are being used more and more so projections really really contribute as does choreography
0: and everything now seems to have some form of choreography, even if we define it in the broad sense of how people are moving during a play. Is that?
1: Well, movement has become, no, I mean, that's too much of a generaliz- generalization. Movement is often calculated and synchronized, mm-hmm. such as once. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's possible that that was the first one. Contact, years ago, was a play with dance. That was literally with dance but once had all of its characters and musicians moving around the stage in synchronized movement. Mm. And it caught on. And several other productions have done it since then. And there is a credit for a choreographer. Mm-hmm. A fight director.
0: Fight director, yeah.
1: Is paramount. Saying that a lot now, yes. If you have a, even if it's a small tussle or somebody gets hit and falls down, if it's not real, it will take you out of the situation, and mm-hmm. you don't want to be out of the situation. You want to recoil when that person gets hit. Right, right. Mm.
0: So I know we all have favorite actors, actresses, singers, whatever. Uh, how do you keep your personal opinion out of that when you're reviewing something? How do you remain objective if you go to see something where you you know, love the singer involved? I mean, the, the one of the things I'm thinking about is your... Review of Hello Dolly, uh, because everybody else raved about it, and uh, you, you know, you sort of, you know, put into context. I thought Bette Midler's performance—that she was, you know, performing as a star and a singer—and didn't really uh, integrate into the production. So, mm. talk about how you do that, how you keep your
1: well. To begin with, I think every critic brings his personal opinion. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a given. And if you like a critic, it's probably because you agree with them. That's right. (laughs) Um, The performance is the performance. I am a fan of Bette Midler as a singer. I am a fan of her as an actress. I have liked most of her movies. I just think this particular role is not something to which she brings what it requires. And I'm not exactly sure why. I think part of it, again, is direction. I think this is a show. In which every moment of humor says, I'm going to be funny. I have been funny. Did you catch that? Because if you didn't, I'm going to be funny again. And you could go dot, dot, dot after that. I mean, mm. there are things that are repeated and repeated or held out and elongated for as long as the audience is with you. And you end up with something which is almost slapstick. And this is. This is a play that has an era and an attitude, but is not without humanity. Even Streisand, in a wildly overproduced movie, managed to bring humanity to that mm-hmm. part. And it's had dozens and dozens of actresses and singers who've played it. And Bet, bless her heart, is there as Bet. And people are there to see Bet. Mm-hmm. And I just think it takes away from the show. Mm-hmm.
0: Isn't that some of what's happening now with theatergoers, though, that some of the plays that, or musicals that do
1: really well are the ones that have high-profile stars? Oh, no question. Yeah. Uh, part of the trap there is that film stars very often want some sort of Broadway credibility, either for serious drama or for musicals, and they don't know how to tread the boards. Mm. Years ago, I saw uh, Julia Roberts, do a play and I think she's a splendid film actress she was terrible Mm. sometimes film actors have come from theater and can go back to it comfortably but at other times they just don't know the turf and Mm. it's not just being audible it's it is a different way of acting you have an audience in front of you not a camera and small things don't project and too much projection is literally ridiculous Mm. and a director could tell you better better mm-hmm. than I. Um, I think when a Broadway cast has lost its original stars, they will often replace that person with a television or a film person for supposed bankability for a period of time. And sometimes it works with musicals because you have a different audience to come to that. It works less often with a serious show. Mm. yeah. So, do you factor
0: in an audience's reaction? I mean, are you aware of, you know,
1: whether the audience is enjoying what it's seeing? Oh, I'm, or? I'm hugely aware. I'm I'm in the middle of it. Um, I don't factor it in to say whether I think the show is good. Mm. I will mention it if it's outrageously different than mine. I think that audiences have come to accept. I think that standards have been lowered. I think an audience who's paying $150 a ticket thinks. I got to like it, I paid this much, <laughs> or that's the star, and the star has a reputation, it must be good, mm. or, oh my God, look at that long note, listen to that long note, this must mean that the person is good. So, standing ovations have become obligatory, yes. and they have lost their meaning, um, and I think that's too bad. I think people who get a standing ovation, shows that get a standing ovation. It should be a situation where you're compelled to rise to your feet, thinking, "Oh, that was just marvelous." Mm-hmm. And I often don't feel that way, but if the often do, if the audience does, I will say I will mention something.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned about the Broadway ticket prices. Uh, this, they are going up. Uh, why do they keep continue to go up? And uh, what do you see in the in the future for Broadway ticket
1: prices? I'm scared to death. I think that I think that this happened with Hamilton mm-hmm. when there was a was and is an en- unending appetite for. And mind you, I love Hamilton, but it's become outrageous. Mm-hmm. And all of the other. Very successful shows immediately pushed up their prices to Mm. reflect um, that new water level. And that meant that the less successful shows pushed up theirs, Mm. there is a lottery in many of these theaters. There is TKTS, there are audience extras, but the normal theater-going public is limited to those people who can afford it. Right. And what are you going to do if you come into the city with three kids or four kids or your mother-in-law's in town or right. your, you know, you have a group of people, or if you're going out on a date for God's sake, you've already paid for dinner and you're paying 150 dollars mm. enough for a theater ticket. So I I don't know what the answer is. I think that I think that Broadway has gotten greedy.
0: Mm.
1: Um, I am not trying to deny the creatives their due financial remuneration, but uh, I think it's too much, and I don't think that they offer enough alternative.
0: Well, t- let's talk about the alternatives, though, because if you don't go to Broadway where the ticket prices are higher, off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway, even fringe festivals, which are now popular in a lot of cities, uh, those are alternatives. Do people tend to overlook those, and what are some of the plays you've seen there that you, you know, think are as good as what you've seen on Broadway?
1: I think that tourists tend to overlook those. Mm-hmm. I think that a tourist will generally go to the TKTS booth aiming for something that has a great deal of publicity and not even considering mm-hmm. off-Broadway unless some star is there, which is a pity mm-hmm. because off-Broadway and, and even off-off-Broadway has gotten better and better, and there's more and more of it. Um, companies like Signature and Here and Irish Rep and fifty nine E fifty nine and Gingold and Abington, Saint Anne's Warehouse and BAM, the Mint, Second Stage, Playwrights Horizons, for musicals the York, Musicals Tonight, Lyrics and Lyricists, Encores, theaters in the Village, Cherry Lane, Lucille Lortel, Rattlestick, Tact, companies like that.
0: And and you often see something different in those theaters too. Um,
1: Magic is becoming popular again. Yes, magic. Uh, Steve Cohen has moved from the Waldorf Astoria to the New York Palace, not to be missed. Mm -hmm. Derek Delgadio and Darren Brown have been here recently to terrific Mm -hmm. success. And Monday Night Magic continues, Mm -hmm. which is very affordable. Mm -hmm. And a hoot. Uh, Puppets, particularly La Mama and Here, there are puppet festivals every year. Mm -hmm. We have more circus. The Big Apple has been... Purchased and will be back in Lincoln Center in October. Such great news. Cirque du Soleil is always here once a a year. And Skirball does a circus festival, which is circus-like performance on the stage. Circuses have become much more theatrical. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to see what you see in a three ring, Mm what you did see in a three ring when there were three rings. You have vaudeville and burlesque, Mm -hmm. variety shows. Uh, The Slipper Room in Duane Park and sometimes Poisson Rouge. You have festivals. The Fringe was not up this year, but it will be back. United Solo is a wonderful festival very few people know about. You have solo performers who have written their own pieces and have come from all over the world. This is coming up in September through September through November. New York Musical Theater Festival, east to Edinburgh at 50, e 59 All of these are less expensive options. And I think if people would troll the web a little bit and see what the synopses are mm-hmm. and just take a flying leap somewhere, they would find good theater out there. So, of course, what they should do,
0: Alex, is come to Woman Around Town and read your reviews and get some great recommendations for less expensive plays and for what you know they should see on Broadway. So this has been great. Thank you so much. I hope we'll get an opportunity to do it again. Again, this is Charlene Giannetti, editor of Woman Around Town, and I've been interviewing Alex Cohen.
1: Uh, And thank you for listening.